Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Good morning, church. It is so great to be here. Pastor Andrew and Becky, thank you for being gracious hosts. Pastor CJ and Cheryl, happy anniversary to you. Love that you guys are able to be away and celebrate. And I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here to, to the church. I think that there's something so powerful about when we come together and collectively lift up the name of Jesus. There's nothing quite like it, and there's no substitute for it. So it's great to be here. I came all the way from the, the land of 10,000 lakes this morning. And uh, so a lot of people, you know, you might be wondering, does that guy, is he a Vikings guy? And I'll just say this. I actually cheer for the Cowboys. And so people in Minnesota and Wisconsin are both like, why, why? I don't get it. (laughs) Um, But again, my name is Brent Silke. And I want to, this is a picture of my my wife, Elizabeth. She's my very best friend in the world. We've been married for 12 years. So not 39, but 12 years. (laughs) And um, I'm so thankful. Yeah, I'm so thankful for my wife. She's an amazing person. And she's the kind of person that like, literally daily challenges me to become more like who Jesus made me to be. And I'm so thankful for her. love doing life with her. And before I, I go on to the next slide, I want to just um, share a little bit of context with you so you understand where I'm coming from. Um, I was born in Seoul, South Korea in 1986. And I was born to like a teenage, unwed girl. And she went through, it was a really tough situation for her. And so first and foremost, part of my story, I'm so thankful that she chose life. Secondly, the day I was born, it was May 28, 1986, she made the impossible decision that an impoverished teenage kid would have to make to give me the opportunity for a different kind of life. And she put me up for adoption that day, and so I went into foster care on day one. And it's interesting, if you look at my birth certificate, my birth records, it says my orphan status was illegitimate, and my, uh, or excuse me, my legal status was illegitimate, my orphan status was abandoned. And I think it's kind of a harsh way to like start your life. And I look at those records today, and I just think about it, the fact that on September 5th, 1986, my 100th day of life, Doug and Carol Silkey adopted me into their family. And I went from being an illegitimate, abandoned orphan to being a beloved son. And I became a Silkey that day. And I, I'm so thankful for the gift of adoption and family. And I know I, I speak in different places, and, I, and people can they sometimes say, hey, I really relate with not necessarily being labeled illegitimate, but feeling illegitimate. And I just want you to know, if you're watching online or if you're here today and you've been feeling inadequate, illegitimate in what you do, um, if there's one thing you hear me say today, just know that God created you on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. And if you get nothing else out of today, remember that. You are enough in Christ And so being an adoptee growing up, I never knew someone who had a resemblance with me. And I loved, I always thought it was so fascinating to go, you know, friends, I have a friend who lived across the street, and it was, he and his dad had the same big puffy Afro uh, hairdo, and they all, his brother, his dad, he did, and I was like, oh, it's so cool to see the resemblance in families. And I'll never forget my wife, um, she told me that we were going to have our first child, and I was so emotional. I was like, oh, my goodness, we, we're going to have a baby. This is crazy. And so I prayed. I remember my specific prayer for like eight months, as we knew, was, God, would you help me as my heavenly father to have your heart as a father when I become a father? And so it was like 5 o'clock in the morning. We'd been up all night. 
And the nurse turns to me with a smile on her face, and she hands me this beautiful baby girl in my arms. And I'll just say this, church, as I had prayed for all those months to have the love of the Father, it manifested through these big tears. And I was just crying over this beautiful little girl. We actually named her Belle. And I looked down at this little girl, and I actually realized, I actually posted this this morning. That's feeling sentimental. I was like, wow, this is the first person in, at that point, 25 and a half years of life that actually had a resemblance with me. And I was like, oh, my word, this is so powerful. And so if you fast forward eight and a half years to the day today, um, she has grown up. And this is my beautiful girl, Belle. Oh, I just love her. She is so much fun. And uh, one of the things she said to me this summer, she said, she said like the greatest words a dad could hear, at least a dad like me. She looked at me and she said, Dad, could we play wiffle ball? I was like, yes, we can. So we went outside and played wiffle ball. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then th literally three years and a day after Belle was born, this beautiful girl came into the world. Her name is Clara Jean. She's my little sweet girl. The sweetest kid, she's, she's just like, she, she can feel every emotion that you're feeling as a parent. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I am now that you asked. I love you. And then um, two years ago in May, my son was born, Hank the Tank. I'll show you Hank the Tank. Yes, my boy. And uh, this little guy has more energy than any human being should possibly have. He has it. And he knows how to rip open the cupboards that have the locks. He can open pill jars that have, like, the child-proof. It's not Henry-proof, you know what I mean? Like, he is just, uh, he is so much energy. But that smile is basically on his face from the time he wakes up to the time I tuck him in at night. I tuck him in, and he likes to have his arms underneath the covers. And, he, like, last night it was out. He's like, my arm in the cover. So he puts his arm in, and I put the, the covers around his neck, and he just looks like that going to sleep. I'm like, you are just awesome, man. So here's a picture of, our, of my family. And I, I do want to share with you more about our, our ministry, but I just believe this with all my heart. And I'm not just saying this here uh, before you today. But I believe this with all my heart. The greatest ministry that God could ever call me to is to those people right there. There's nothing more important to me than making sure that my family has the opportunity in every day to follow Jesus and to, to know what that means and to, for my kids to grow up understanding who is Jesus and how do, how do I live for him. So that's my number one thing. That's our ministry. And I, I think this has been such an interesting year. I know I'm only 34 years old. But as I look through the rest of the, you know, the, the history of my life and I look at the years, I don't know that there's ever been a single year that's been crazier for every person. And I, I, right, and I think, like, if I could say 2020, the year of the, I would call 2020 the year of the pivot, We've all had to pivot. We've all had to shift. We've all had to make these changes. I think if you watch the show Friends, you know, it's like they're moving the couch up the stairs. Pivot, pivot, right? He's like having them pivot up the house. I just feel like every one of us, whether it's like school, like we had to pivot from in-person classes to online. Sweet mercy. God bless all the teachers. I have no idea how you do it. Like I had to become from pastor now to a teacher in my home, and that was a big pivot for my daughter in school, and it was a big a pivot for our family. A lot of my friends had to pivot from working in a corporate office to pivoting to working at home. We're working in a makeshift office in our downstairs. It's actually our guest bedroom that's no longer a guest bedroom. It's an office. Some people have had to pivot, right, their livelihood significantly as we've had different things happening this year with COVID. Uh, we've had people pivoting um, this idea of medical appointments, like to have a telehealth medical appointment with a provider over a FaceTime or over some kind of thing like that. We've all had to pivot this year so significantly. And I think it's been really quite a challenge for a lot of people. 
And as I think about this morning, I had a different message I was going to share this morning. And I just, I was wrestling. I was like, you know what? I think there's a different, I think God wants me to actually pivot in my message prep. So I have, I have a message here that's, that's for you today. And I just believe this. I believe that every person who follows Jesus, that we will be called by God to pivot something at some point in our life. And we can pivot to our purpose and do our thing and go our way. Or when God calls us and taps us on the shoulder, we can pivot to God's purpose. And that's what this whole message this morning is about. Our text is from the book of Luke. If you have your Bibles or if you have your phones with your Bible app on it, we're going to be today in Luke chapter 19. And this might be a very familiar passage for some, but I want to share it this way. I, I know that as we look at Luke, as we look at this book, if you're not familiar or if you're you know, newer to church, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And he wrote the book of Luke and the book of the Acts of the Apostles or the book of Acts. And I think it is so fascinating as you understand the context of what Luke's background was as a physician, the things and the accounts that we hear about from Dr. Luke that we might hear from Matthew or we might hear from Mark or John, but it comes from a medical perspective when Luke writes it. And it's so interesting to me, the details that he gives us. And so if you have your Bibles, keeping in mind that this is the year of the pivot, thinking about in your own life, is there something that God is calling you to pivot to? Is there something that God, maybe it's vocationally, Maybe in this time, I know I've talked to a couple of different business owners in this time that have contacted me, and they said, you know what, Brent? We felt like this is where we're going, but as we were quarantined, God was pivoting our passion and pivoting things over here this way. Before we jump into the text, I want to share the most significant pivot that God has made in our family. After graduating from North Central and being on staff at Cedar Valley Church, serving, as, serving Jerry Strangquist, one of the greatest people I've ever known, serving him as the senior high youth pastor for six years on staff there and being in youth ministry for 10 years, I remember thinking, I'm going to retire a youth pastor. Like, I'm going to go to my grave as a youth pastor. I love the next generation. I love students. I love the zeal and the passion that they have for life. And if you can help intersect their passion and their zeal with Jesus, then something is unleashed that can otherwise be unleashed. I love students. I love working with college students and working with high school students. And one day... My phone just blew up. My executive pastor was calling, 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 calling. I was like, what's going on? He said, hey, I just met with a guy named Mike, and you need to meet with Mike. Can you meet today? Can you meet tomorrow? So the next day, Mike's coming into my office, and he sits down, and he says, Brent, I have a vision. And I was like, ooh, I like it. I like how this is going. I like where this is going here. I love visions. I love big picture things. He said, he said I'm the director of Chi Alpha, which is a college campus ministry, and if you think about Chi Alpha, it helps people find Jesus, students find Jesus, and follow Jesus for a lifetime. It's like an extension of the church on campus. We have worship services every single week. We have small group discipleship, outreaches, camps, retreats. I mean, we, missions trips, like all the whole deal. And he said, we have Chi Alpha on 315 campuses around the nation and around the world. He said, but in Minnesota, we have zero Chi Alpha campus ministries on any of our private universities. And he said, I have been praying, and I've been asking my team to pray. Could there be someone who would start a ministry called Chi Alpha on a private campus? And so afterward, after our meeting, I did a little research, and I Googled, you know, St. Thomas, Chi Alpha, and I found a newsletter that Mike sent out nine years earlier. He said, would you start praying with me? It was to his prayer team. Would you begin to pray with me for the private university? So for nine years, people are paving the way in prayer. 
And he said, we want to go to the University of St. Thomas. We want to start Chi Alpha. We want to bring the hope of Christ through Chi Alpha to those students. And I said, man, that sounds amazing. I love this vision, Mike. How can I help? And he said, well, we're actually looking for someone to lead that ministry. I was like, why? Well, you know, I've got a lot of connections at North Central, and I know a lot of people. <laughs> and he's like, well, we're, you know, wondering if you would consider being that person. I was like, wow. I mean, that's quite a, you know, it's quite a pivot, right? And I remember thinking, like, man, Mike, that sounds so important that that must be, like, that must be a pretty significant, like, you know, package for a person to come on and benefits and salary and all this stuff. And he leaned back in the chair in my office and he had a half smile and he goes, well, we actually have no salary and no benefits. And I was like, what kind of presentation is this? I said, Mike, what, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, Chi Alpha, we're missionaries. You become a missionary. And so I was like, oh, right, yes, awesome. Well, and I was thinking in my head, we just bought our first house. We just had our second baby, Clara. I was like, I just knew it was, a, it was a, a hard no for me, like easily, like not, not for us. And I did the Christian thing, and I said, you know, Mike, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about this. And I am not joking, that day, it was a Wednesday night, a Wednesday afternoon I met with Mike. That Wednesday night we had service, and we told our students, Pastor Andrew, the theater at Cedar Valley Church, we had our, our student service in there, and the instruction from our, our pastor that night was, do not leave this place until you've met with God. So I went in the very back corner, the opposite of the sound booth. I got on my face before God. And I have the most clear vision that I've ever had in my life, even up to this point. I was standing on the campus at a particular location, the Bible open like this, and students around me. And I was terrified. God, what does this mean? This is a significant pivot. I have a mortgage. I have two children. And you're asking me to step into a missionary role. I don't know if I can do that. So we took the next couple of weeks and prayed and sought counsel. And I don't know if you've ever been to a point and you're, you're so desperate to hear from God. You're like, God, just give me one more sign. Just give me one sign and I'll do it. That's where I was at. I had felt this burden of like, yes, you're, you're, I'm calling you to pivot in this way. But I was so scared. I was so nervous, church. And I sat in the front row at this prayer meeting on a Friday at district council. And I said, God, I will go all in with my life on this. Just give me one more sign. And a pastor stood up, and it was like as if God was speaking directly through him into my heart. And he read Isaiah 41, 9 and 10. I've called you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I've called you. I have chosen you and not rejected you. I've called you my own. Do not be afraid. For I will go before you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I am not kidding you. There's no, I, I don't want to embellish this story. I sat in the front row. I cried like a baby. And it wasn't like a movie cry where it's like perfect and there's no whatever. It was like there was like literally snot everywhere. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, this is so embarrassing. So this is my posture as I'm weeping before the Lord as he's confirmed this calling to start this ministry. As he's asking our family to make this massive pivot. My, my hands are like this over my face, because I literally have no tissues and there's snot everywhere. <laughs> my district superintendent happens to be pacing by in prayer, and he sees this sight on the front pew, and he walks up and he says, "Is Pastor Clarence St. John. He says, Brent, what's going on right now? And I'm, I'm literally still like this. I'm like, Pastor? I said, God just called us to start the first ever Chi Alpha Campus ministry at a private school in Minnesota. 
And he looked at me with this like, this like twinkle in his eye, like he already like heard from the Lord and knew this. And he's like, oh, that's great. And he prayed for me and God began to do a new thing in our family. And I'll just say this. It was even said this morning, Pastor, that we're basically where God guides, he always provides. Always provides. I've been a missionary for the last five years, and I have seen God provide time and time again. And so it hasn't been a pheasant that had flew into a light thing, but God provides in miraculous ways. That's who he is. And church, if God is calling you as an individual, you as a couple, you as a family, to pivot in some form or fashion in your life, may you pivot to God's purpose because there is nothing more fulfilling than stepping into that. And I'll tell you more about Kaiaf in a moment, but you're like, are you going to preach the Bible today? I am going to preach the Bible today. And I want to just share this with you out of Dr. Luke's writing in Luke chapter 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. I just need to stop there for a moment. The context of this, a lot of you might be familiar, but some of you may not be. A tax collector in the first century in Rome, a lot of times they would recruit Jewish people, Jewish men, to, to collect taxes for Caesar. And what they would do is they would oftentimes extort money from their own people. So if I was a tax collector, I would come to Pastor Andrew's house and I'd say, hey, time to pay up your taxes. Oh, and by the way, this, this, and this. And he'd be like, what? And I would say, no, no, this, this, and this. He'd be like, no, no, no. Yes, this, this, and this. And I would take extra money to line my own pockets, and they were hated. Tax collectors were hated amongst the Jews because they, first of all, thought you were a traitor for working for Rome. Secondly, you got rich and profited off of stabbing your own people in the back. And Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. He was the boss tax collector. And Jesus is coming through, and it says he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Now, I know what you're thinking. Brent, you probably can relate. <laughs> like, you've been to the state fair, right? And I'm like, you can't see anything, right? I understand that, that, that whole plight. But the thing that's so interesting about this to me is here's this chief tax collector. Here's a guy that's, been, that's hated by his own people. He's working for the oppressive government of Rome. He's somebody who is, he, he's literally so wealthy in his bank account, but he's so spiritually bankrupt. And it's interesting to me that he would want to see Jesus. Why would he want to see Jesus? He's the farthest thing away from Jesus. Jesus was this miracle worker, right? We sing about it sometimes. He was the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. And Jesus would go town to town proclaiming the kingdom of God. But he wouldn't just talk about it. He would demonstrate his power and authority over sickness and disease and demonic forces. He would literally spit on the dirt and make mud and put it on a blind man's eyes and open his eyes to see for the first time. He would literally say, extend your shriveled hand to the man who had a crippled hand and it was fully restored. He would be the one that would say, pick up your mat and walk out of here. And this person who never had the strength in their legs because they were paralyzed all their life would stand to their feet and walk out in full view of every person there. This was Jesus. He was traveling from town to town. So Zacchaeus, being the chief tax collector, the mo probably the most hated person in his town, heard that Jesus was coming by, but homeboy was too short to see. So what does he do? It says he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. The most powerful word that most people could ever hear 
is their own name said in a tone of love. Zacchaeus. Whenever anyone else said his name, it wasn't that same tone. It was, oh, Zacchaeus, right? Took my money again. Extorted that money from our family. Robbed my grandma of that money, right? Like, that's the tone. Jesus looks up at him and says, Zacchaeus, I must be a guest at your house today. Can you imagine the savior of the world, the miracle worker, the way maker, coming to your town? You want to just see what he looks like. You want to see him heal somebody. You run ahead, climb a tree. He comes to your tree. He looks up and he says your name with love. Oh my goodness. Zacchaeus, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I don't know how, I mean, we're living in a different culture and a different time, but if pastors came to you and said, hey, I'm going to be a guest in your house today, many of you would freak out and think, oh, my word, we need to clean. We need to get a pheasant. Sweet mercy, we need something, right? You'd be like that like panic feeling. Zacchaeus, nobody wanted to be with Zacchaeus. Maybe the tax collectors. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want to be a guest at your house. You have value. You have worth. I don't know if you, if you need to hear that this morning, but you were created in the image of God. You have infinite value and infinite worth. Verse number seven makes me chuckle. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Don't we, we have enough muttering in the world? Don't we have enough mutterers? It's like, mute the mutterers. Hashtag mute the mutterers, right? Like, what are we doing? Why do they, people got to mutter so much? And they were hating on Jesus because he went, to be the house, he went to be the guest at the house of the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus. This little man that nobody loved. Always hating on somebody. In verse number eight, it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Wait a second. Selfish, greedy, chief tax collector Zacchaeus says he's going to give half his possessions to the poor. And then he says a statement that if there were people there heard, that heard him say this, they literally would have laughed and probably muttered again. If I've cheated anybody. And they're like, you cheated everybody. If I've cheated anybody, I'll give them four times what I've taken. We, at the beginning of this chapter, we have a guy who's so hungry to see something that's real and authentic, and he's heard about this miracle worker. He climbs a tree. Jesus comes to him, and it literally, just by saying his name, there's a pivot that begins to happen. Zacchaeus, or as my Bible school teachers, Zacchaeus. You might have pronounced it differently. Same guy. So here's the thing. He came face to face with Jesus, pivoted his entire life. This greedy, selfish chief tax collector gave away half his wealth, and he, everyone he cheated, he was going to give four times reparations. I mean, he's going to give four times back what he stole. And Jesus says something here in verse 9 Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Verse 10 is my fav- one of my favorite. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
Zacchaeus pivoted to God's purpose. Zacchaeus pivoted away from his selfish ambition to a holy ambition. And I think it's so interesting. And the point of this, the, the point of this text isn't that every one of us would give away 50% of our net worth. That's not the point of this message. The point of this message is that when you come face to face with Jesus Christ, he calls us to pivot. The first pivot he calls us to is away from our sin. I'm an 18-year-old kid, blonde hair. Yep. You're like, you're Korean. Yep, it was bleach blonde. Bleach blonde hair, living for myself, living for the moment, living for pleasure, living for whatever it was. And a friend who had been praying for me since the eighth grade every single day continued to invite me to church. I continued to say, no, thanks. He continued to invite me to church. I continued to say, no, I don't. Please stop asking me to come to your church. Until finally, as a freshman in college, I went with him. Do you know where I sat? The very back row. Yep, that's where I sat. It's very uncomfortable. People are raising their hands in worship. I was like, what? There's so many questions in here. What's happening? I'd never experienced that before, truly. And I heard about Jesus, and I knew about Jesus, but I heard that he wanted to have a personal relationship with me. I was just a messed up dude. I was just this lost college kid. And I'll never forget, my youth pastor, he could have been preaching on any topic. He would end every single Wednesday night message by preaching the gospel and telling us, that if we would put our faith in Christ and turn away or pivot from our selfish, sinful way and pivot to God's way, that Jesus would come and live within us and he would begin to change who we are, a new creation in Christ. So here I am, blonde-haired Korean guy sitting in the back pew, and I put my faith in Christ. And I said, Jesus, I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be who you want me to be. And so fast forward to 2015 when God calls us to become Kyle for missionaries. It's like, well, did you mean it? <laughs> right? And I just want to say this, church. I want to show you a picture of our Kyle Alpha ministry from one of our services here. I was wearing a different kind of jacket that day. But I'm here at, on campus, and every single week we have the opportunity to share the gospel, the love of Christ, every Wednesday night with students. And now, with COVID, we've been live streaming our services, and even more people are tuning in to hear the good news of Jesus. The pivot that God called Zacchaeus to was away from his selfishness and greed. The pivot that God called me to first was to him, and then this pivot to become a campus missionary. And I want to just share one student story with you. A student came last fall to Chi Alpha, and she was hanging out with our group, and she was hanging out and coming to our cereal slosh and coming to our outreaches and our services. And after one service, she came up in tears, and she just was just saying, like, I, I don't even know who I am. And so we said, hey, we'd love for you to come to our fall retreat. It's the most significant single weekend of our year. People go from the, the outside community to becoming family. And so she came to fall retreat. And on Saturday before our final service that night, again, she came up to me in tears, and she said, Brent, I feel like I need to get baptized and profess my faith in Christ. I was like, oh, yeah. But she was crying, and I could tell by the tears it wasn't like happy tears. I was like, what, what's going on? She said, I grew up Catholic. I don't know. I think my parents might be mad. I don't know what to do because I feel like I'm supposed to do this. 
because of God, but I, I don't want to disrespect or dishonor my family. I said, totally get that. I said, why don't you before service, why don't you call mom and dad and just tell them what's going on. Tell them what God's doing in your life. So after service, she's coming, she comes up again in tears, but this time it's different. Her countenance has completely changed. She's like, Brent, I called them. I was like, great, what'd they say? She's like, they're coming. I was like, what? They're, where they're, they're coming where? She's like, they're coming here to camp. I was like, oh, great. That's great. I've never met them. I have no idea if they're coming mad, if they're coming in hot, or if they're like, what's, what's happening? And they come, and they stand there in the cafeteria where we did baptisms. We usually do it outside. We looked, and it was not safe to do it in the water out in the lake, but we decided to bring a, por a portable baptismal. And she stood in the cafeteria with all of the other students from the University of Minnesota Chi Alpha and Normandale Community College Chi Alpha and our two Chi Alphas that we help, help uh, steward. And she said, Jesus changed my life. And I am professing my faith publicly today because he's done something in my life. She got baptized. And we go to take a picture, group picture, right? We kind of photo document everything. And we just love, like, the celebration and um, her, her mom and dad and her sister were standing there, and we, took a, we just took a group picture, and she said, hey, let's get a family picture. And her dad said this with the most sincere, like, joyful thing. He said, you just took your family picture. He's like, this is awesome. And I was like, oh, the blessing from the dad, right? So powerful. There's one more. There's another picture I want to show you. It's a, a, right after that service happened. This is last October. We went to Perkins, and I called ahead. I let them know we were coming. I said, hey, we got about 40 people coming just so you can staff it accordingly, right? I mean, you know, just like 11 o'clock at night, hey, 40 people, what? You say four people, sir? No, 40. So we show up to Perkins, and we, we have this, I mean, it was just after God did so much work on Friday night and Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon and Saturday night, baptism service, and we go to Perkins, and after the meal's done, the manager, who looks so weary and so tired, he says, uh, excuse me, sir, can I please talk to you privately? And I was like, Oh, yes, of course. Great. If you've ever led a group to Perkins late at night on a Saturday and it's a manager wants to talk to you, it's generally not great. So he took me to the entryway of the restaurant, and he was so exhausted. I could just tell it had been a long week. It was like 1130 at night, and he said, we had a group last night in here that trashed our restaurant. He said, we were so nervous when another large group was coming. He said, we have never had a group like yours ever in our restaurant. I don't know who you are, but please come back again. You, you guys were incredible. And I just was thinking, like, praise be to God, because that's what happens when students meet Jesus, and they're so infused with the hope of Christ, and they, they pivot their life to his purpose. They go to a restaurant, and even the manager, who's weary and tired from a long you know, work week, is like, I don't know who you all are, but come back, please. God is so good. And I just want to give testimony. Yeah, God is awesome. And we've had the joy in the last four years of praying with 120 students who wanted to pivot their life from their life to living their life for Christ. And I have been blown away at what God is doing in them and through them. And this message isn't a, hey, look at Brent Silkey message. If that's the message you hear, that's not the message I want to preach. This message is look what can happen when we take our little life and we pivot it to Jesus' purpose for our life. And something else happened the very first year that God called us to Chi Alpha I, uh, I was about to turn 30 years old, and I was out to lunch. I was actually out to breakfast at another Perkins. I don't have a picture of that one. Uh, at another Perkins with, uh, with one of my former youth students who was serving in the Marine Corps. 
He was home on leave. It was December 28th, 2015. And we sat down for breakfast and he said, Brent, he said, hey man, what's new? I said, yo, well, my, I said, I turned 30 in five months from today. And he's like, ooh, you're getting old. And I was like, and you're, you're paying for breakfast today then, you know? <laughs> so we were talking about stuff. And I said, you know what? God put a dream in my heart to run 30 miles on my 30th birthday. He was like, ooh, it's a long ways. I said, but he called me to run 30 miles with 30 people to raise $30,000 because every 30 seconds, someone becomes a victim of sex trafficking. Yoel reached in his pocket and he handed me across the table a $100 bill and he said, I hear briefings in the military about this stuff all the time. Let's do something to end it. And he hands me this $100 bill and I was like, oh man, Yoel just put his money where my mouth was, <laughs> right? So I go, to the, I go to my car and I start texting people and I said, hey, can we, can we do this thing? And I, I got a couple of different nonprofits together. And fast forward to my birthday, my 30th birthday, I line up on the starting line at Cedar Valley Church in the north parking lot. There are 48 of us that would run 30 miles that day. And I looked down this way, and there were 75 young and old alike who said, we'll run a 5K version, 3.1 miles for freedom. I will never forget, at the end of that time, we looked at what was raised, and it wasn't 30,000. It wasn't 50000 It wasn't 60000 God brought in $81,346 to rescue people out of sex tra trafficking. It was the craziest, greatest birthday ever. <laughs> and this is, this is in the first year that we were called, called to be missionaries. Like, you don't raise money for an organization outside of your own in your first year as a missionary. That doesn't make, makes no sense. But I sensed that God was pivoting us to do that for this purpose. And I just want to say this. We, we love what God is doing on campus, and we love the opportunity that we have to help people be rescued out of human trafficking. And in the last, I want to show you um, our, our mission here for 30 for Freedom. It's the, oh, there's a picture of last 2019 when we were able to gather in larger groups, right? We want to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. And the cool thing is that when somebody gives a donation to 30 for Freedom, we don't take any of that for ourselves. Because we're missionaries for Chi Alpha, we're able to give 100% of the funds that come in to 30 for Freedom directly to prevention efforts, rescue operations, and survivor care. My wife literally got her degree in counseling to help people who've been traumatized by things like trafficking. It's such a passion and heartbeat of our family. And in the last eight, or excuse me, the last five years, we've seen God bring in over $800,000 to rescue and restore and prevent trafficking. And I want to show you one super quick video before we close this message this morning. If you guys would just turn your attention to the screen behind me. Every 30 seconds, someone becomes a victim. This is about people being set free in Jesus' name. In a room full of 900 plus people that are gathered today, you have chosen to step up and fight on behalf of those that need to be fought for. I'm running because there is a need across seas and there's a need in our backyard and sex trafficking is not okay. The humans being sold is just not okay and like we can do something about it so why not take a step and do it. I want to run for those that cannot run for their lives. We want to end slavery. We want to end it. So that people can be free. We are getting married later today uh, but we still 
I wanted to do 30 for Freedom, and I guess the big thing to me is we're going to make a difference. We're passionate about being a part of the movement that ends sex trafficking in our lifetime to help all the girls who are my age who are in sex trafficking. So I want to be able to support them in every way possible. In anything we can do to sacrifice what we got to make it possible, we're going to do it. Thank you for moving from comfortable to less comfortable through your minds. Thank you for moving from comfortable to less comfortable through your giving. Thank you for moving from comfortable to less comfortable through your sacrifices. Thank you for moving from comfortable to less comfortable through your lifestyle. May 30 for Freedom not be an event. May it become part of who you are. My question this morning, church, is will you pivot to God's purpose for your life? Because if I'm really transparent with you, Five years ago, if you would have told me, hey, you're going to be able to lead a movement of people to fight sex trafficking, you're going to be a missionary on the college campus and help people find Jesus and follow him for a lifetime, I would have been like, what? How is that even possible? And I feel like the, the idea today is that I, I, just, I just get this sense that there are other people in this season that are like, I don't know, but I know God's calling me to pivot and to do something different. I don't know what it is. I don't know exactly what that can look like for my life, and I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit scared, and I 100% understand that feeling. But I will say this five years later. There's been nothing more exciting and fulfilling than watching a pivot that you make towards God's purpose for your life come to fruition. To see, maybe it's a family member you've, you've been praying for, and you've kind of I, you know, I, I don't know if they're ever going to find the love of Christ. And maybe it's your pivot back to praying for that prodigal again. And like the moment that they like respond to Jesus again, oh my word, it'll be worth it. I don't know what it is for you, if it's related to your career, if it's related to a passion you have, if it's related to even something smaller in your life, more like micro, like a habit that needs to pivot. But church, if we will pivot from our purposes to Jesus's purposes, he is the God wherever he guides, he provides. And he does immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine because that's who he is. And so I would love to pray for you this morning. So if you're online, I always say this when we do a live streaming. If you're driving, don't do this. If you're not driving, it's all good. If you guys would just close your eyes for a moment and bow your heads, you can imagine how that would be problematic for a driver. And I just want us to think for a moment as we're in a time of reflection. I think it's so important to reflect because it's easy to come to church or watch a service online and hear a message and worship and go home and not really process or do something. So in, a, in this moment, as you think about your personal life, as you think about your career, your vocation, your marriage, your family, is there something that God is calling you or tapping you on the shoulder to pivot toward a God dream, a passion, a new something? Is there something he's calling you to pivot toward that makes you scared or nervous? Is there something he's calling you to pivot toward that maybe has been knocking on the door for so long that maybe this, this morning would be the morning where you'd say, you know what, I'm not going to ignore that knocking anymore. And I just imagine, even, even not even thinking of the, all of the people that are, might be live streaming this or watching this later on YouTube, but the people that I'm just looking at here in this room, I think about what could happen if a room full of us pivoted our life in a greater way towards Jesus. What could happen to this area for Christ 
this revival we sang about and prayed about this morning, come on, somebody, that what could happen in your family if your family saw you caught the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life and you begin to seek God in a greater way and pivot towards Jesus in a greater way? What could happen in your company or your business or your business dream that you haven't had the courage to step out yet into, but maybe God is saying, start that venture, start that thing, do that that I've called you to do. And I just think it could be something that'd be so powerful. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask two questions this morning. If you're here this morning, and perhaps you have not had that pivot experience away from your own life and sinfulness to Jesus, I know that every time I have a microphone in my hand and the opportunity to share God's word, I want to give people an opportunity, like Zacchaeus, who pivoted away from himself to Jesus. His life was transformed. The scriptures tell us that we become a new creation in Christ. And if you are here this morning and you want to pivot from your own sinful state to a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand if that's you? I'd love to pray for you this morning. Praise God. Come on, somebody. Praise God for you. Praise God. Church, would you just pray this with me? Would you pray this after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Today, I commit my life to you. I will follow you. Today, tomorrow, all the way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for those people that made that decision this morning? Come on. Praise God for you. I would love to connect with you. If you raised your hand, I'd love to connect with you before you leave. My second question is this, and this you can have your eyes open and heads up. I just want to say this. If every one of us made a, either a little pivot or a significant pivot towards Jesus' plan for us, this area of Cybern, Wisconsin would never be the same. The landscape of heaven will never be the same. And so I'm just going to ask boldly, if you would just say, hey, I want to make a pivot towards Jesus' plan for my life in a greater way today, would you just raise your hand if that's you? Come on. Let's go. I'm going to pray for you right now. Jesus, I thank you that you came and you said, Zacchaeus, you changed his life. He came face to face with the Messiah, and you changed his life, and it was evidence in his action. God, I pray for all of us who say, hey, I want to pivot my life from wherever I am right now more to Jesus, more to the plan of God that you have for my life. Lord, I pray for every single person and family and represented, God, every marriage, every couple. And I ask, Lord, that as we would pivot our life either in a small or in a significant way to you, I ask that you would come and do a new work in us. Individually, you would do a new, a new work in us, God, in our marriages, in our relationships. You would do a new work in our families, God, and that it would impact and it would have ripple effects in the kingdom of God. It would have ripple effects that this area would never be the same in the name of Jesus because people would be stepping in and fulfilling the call of God that you've placed on their life, in their business, in their company, in their, in their ministry, God, in their home, whatever it might be. And so, God, we just say, have your way in us. Help us to know, God, to have the wisdom of what to do and then the courageous faith to step out and do it for your glory. Thank you for a holy pivot that is being made this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com give. Thank you for your generous donation.